Welcome to lesson two of four in the Commando Mindset School of Motivation. Um, You're about to listen to an amazing chat that I had with Ben and Tomo that's focused on self-drive, something that I find super hard. Um, So we talked about being pulled versus being pushed. We discussed visualization and simulation and how to challenge yourself to do something that you're proud of. The guys also taught me about the importance of an exit strategy. I'll be honest, I'd never even thought about an exit strategy before. And so they explained to me why we need an exit strategy even for the jobs that we love. Last week's episode ended in a little bit of tough love from Ben. So he's assuming everyone who's back this week is a doer. Commando mindset. Yeah, welcome back doers. No longer a sayer. Wow, my voice went so high then. Congrats on people coming back, not on your voice going high. Mm. So this week, let's do it. It's a biggie. Why? Self-drive. Self-drive is one of the hardest things to do in the world. But once you do it, you become better at it and you have more ability to do it because you've got the confidence that you've done before. And you can say, if I transition from... Or I, would, I went on the bridge from one side of the river to the other. I can do it again for the next river. Or indeed, in some cases, you may even have to build a bridge yourself. But that self-drive to go back, and it's all interlinked. You can see this is all interlinked. It's all part of the mindset, but it's one particular element of the of the brain, which self, self-drive self is for many people where they fall down. How would you rate your own self-drive? Good. But it's like an energy. You only have so much, so much energy for X amount of self-drive in a particular area. So you've got self-drive and you're working towards self-drive is the is the vehicle that gets you from where you are to where your goal is. That self-drive is the thing that gets you up every day. That self-drive is the thing that you work on every single day it's the day-to-day routine it's the hour by hour it's the the bits am i on track am i on track am i doing what but actually it's not so much just checking am i on track it's am i doing it and am i consistently doing it with enough tenacity to make a change towards the thing that i'm working towards difficulty comes is that a lot of people have self-drive for the things that they perhaps don't want in their life oh I think that really relates to um, pull or push. You're finding yourself having to push towards things and it's an effort and getting out of bed, it's easy to press the snooze button and getting into the car, you don't like it and you're driving to work and oh, I don't like this job. That's a push. You're being, you're feeling like you're having to push yourself towards things. So it's harder to find this, this self-drive to move forward. Um because it's almost like a lack of passion, but also a lack of purpose. Where a pull, you feel like you're being gravitated towards something, and and it's less, it's not less of a challenge. It's probably fraught with challenges itself. But getting out of bed, you feel you have a purpose. You're like, oh, I'm getting out of bed for this reason, uh, and I'm going to whatever work is, you know, somewhere that you own or something that you do or or you love your role. I'm going there because I'm making a difference. That's a purpose. Um, that helps with drive. That helps with huge self-drive, especially when challenge 
um, rises its ugly head or adversity gets in the way is that ability that, oh, this is shit, but I can get through this because I know where I'm going. I feel like I've been pulled towards something. If you're pushing yourself, you're going to come off the wheel, aren't you? It upsets the apple cart and you're going to come off. It's simple as that. It's like the whole New Year's resolution thing. I bang on about it all the time. Making up a New Year's resolution uh, at 5 to 12 Oh my gosh. And clinking a champagne glass and going, this month I'm going to be a vegan and I'm going to... Had to pick on the vegans, eh? I'll pick on you all. <laughs> I'm going to be vegan. I'm going to be gluten-free. I'm going to go to the gym every day. I'm going to save and, uh, you know, I'm not going to drink anymore. And then mid-month, it's like, you don't know where your gym card is. You're eating meat. You're drinking again. And uh, saving's very difficult in January anyway. So... But you didn't. You weren't really invested in that when you set that. So when it comes almost push to shove or push to pull, it's it's harder to find that drive. So like, well, I I sort of just set that anyway because it's New Year's. That's the very famous quote. Well, I just set it anyway. Um, and so when challenge comes, you're gonna fall off the bandwagon, aren't you? As simple as that. And I think that's a really important point to to prove to yourself for many people is what do you where do you feel like in your life you're pushing. And where do you feel in life you're pulling? And how can you change that push? Brilliant point, brilliant point. Another example of that is, um, and from my own personal experience, when I when I finished uh, in the military and I went into consultancy, one of the things which I identified literally from day one was, the, was my exit strategy. I mean, we spoke about it on our walk this morning, I know. But that exit strategy was my pull. I was not having to be pushed to go to work because I knew that I needed to go in as a junior consultant, have enough experience to get to a senior consultant and then go and do something else elsewhere. But along the line, I had that dedication to learn more skills, to improve my understanding of how I could translate my previous history into something which was of value. And this is what it's all linked to, it's all about value. And that pool helped me to go to work and say, right, well, I'm being pulled towards the objective of leaving here because I know in one year's time I would like to achieve this that's my pull and then I can move somewhere else whereas if I had just turned up to work and going thank god I've just spent seven months unemployed on the breadline significantly in debt I mean to my eyeballs it would make your eyes water and now I've got a job I could have just sat there and just gone, yeah, I'm happy to get up every day and be pushed out because, gosh, I'm so grateful for the job that I've got. I'm so fortunate that that company gave me an opportunity when no one else did after 256 people didn't. But I decided to take a different approach and identify where I'm going with that. And that helped me get through that year. That helped me. It gave me more purpose. It made me more refined at work. It made me better in the moment because I knew... I was getting out and then I moved up and I got the promotion and I moved to another consultancy. But then as soon as I went into the second consultancy, I'd already had an exit strategy to work on our business. Yeah, that's that's what blew my mind on the walk this morning is just like, yeah, I've never planned an exit strategy of like the new job, the new idea, the new project that you have in your mind. Plan the exit strategy early. That's incredible. And it's a really, really useful tool and it adds credence to what Ben was talking about this push pull so many of us are, are, are pushed to go to work because the push reason is we've got to pay the bills at the end of the month mm. 
well, that's not a good enough reason. You know, you're pushed. Um, so many people look at the uh, basic pay. Um, what's it called? Help me out here. Um, basic minimum wage. Uh-huh. Okay. And everybody's talking about it and they're saying, right, we need to increase that. We need to increase that. But a basic minimum wage isn't a bed. Mm. You know, value in your mar- in the marketplace is something that you climb. You climb the, 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 the value ladder. It's something to get you started, hence why it's so low. But you shouldn't stay there. Yeah. But you're pushing yourself to go there because you're in the belief, and this is what we obviously spoke about the last time, is, is you don't believe you've got enough potential to get yourself away up off the bed of the £7.80 an hour or whatever it might be. But you have to identify the pool system, which increases then your self-drive. But failure to do identify means you're probably always going to be pushed. I think you can even, you can look at the sort of health and fitness side of life as well and, and see that very clearly. Um, I sort of went through this own battle myself in the last last few weeks, last few months actually more than anything. I was trying to work out what I wanted to do to challenge myself a little bit. So I started doing quite hefty tasks and started doing quite big challenges with myself and just going out and running with kit on and doing things I used to do because I thought that's how I needed to challenge my mind. You hear quite an overused statement um, with people which go to the gym where they say, I'm off to train. Like it's a real overused statement. That's a really good point. But what are you training for? Yeah, training for what? Yeah. So people which go to the gym without a goal or without a purpose and you see them all the time just sort of float around it's to get a bit bigger it's to get a tiny bit slimmer that's still not a goal that's you just want to add on a bit of size muscular or you want to tone up a little bit or you want to lose a bit of weight that's still not a goal that's just a a sort of mini ambition to look a little bit better that's not training training is saying i need to achieve this by this point so i'm going to work towards it that could be like right i'm benching 100 at the moment i want to bench 120 by the end of the year um, or I'm, I'm, I'm nine and a half stone. I want to get myself down to nine stone, you know, whatever it is, whatever people are looking at. Um, and I know this from myself because I was beasting myself with weighted runs and stuff because I thought that's what I wanted to challenge myself with. What I actually wanted to challenge myself with was, uh, be, be quicker at running. That's all it was. And so it was like, why am I doing this? I'm just trashing my ligaments and stuff. Actually, all I want to do is challenge myself in a way that I can be proud of. So, mm you know, seek advice, biggest thing, and speak to someone, say, oh, uh, Ed Norman, I know you listen to this, so shout out to Ed Norman and the lads at The Natural Edge because they've got great advice. Um, look them up on Instagram. He um, he gave me some great advice about running and how to improve my times And because I've never been a great runner. So for me, during like the last few months, I was like, I want to get good at running again. And so it, it went from, I'm just going to go for a run and then if it's raining, it's easier to stay indoors because there's no reason for me to be running. Yeah. You know, the, there's, I don't feel pulled. And so when the weather's not nice and this is what everyone goes through, it's like, oh, you have to push yourself out the door. And most people don't push out. They just, oh, fuck it, I'll do it tomorrow. Now, actually, there's something to work for. Like, oh, I'm, I'm slowly getting my times down. Something to pull towards. Exactly. I'm, I'm getting quicker. And so th- for me, that from a personal perspective in the health and fitness way of thinking about it, it's all of a sudden I am training for something. And I think people lose that. They they definitely lose that. And the moment you can put your finger on that and say, all right, it is, it is this, statist- this weight, this stat I want to lose, or it's this amount of money I want to make, or it's this house I want to buy, or it's this more time I want to spend with my kids. You know, put a figure on it, put something accurate on it, write it down, set it as a goal. 
And then you have something that's going to pull you towards it rather than feel like I'm just trudging. I hate seeing people trudge through life. If you're a trudger, ask yourself why you're trudging as well. Because you'll get to a point, you mentioned it when we're off air, you know, what, what if the bus hit you tomorrow? Mm. You've just trudged towards the bus. Yeah. Be proud. <laughs> you probably won't notice it when it happens, but uh, <laughs> you might do it at the pearly gates. And, and that's a good example as well, what you're talking about the running is like the inspiration is to get better, better at running. Um, but motivation is, com- is, is, is commonly mistaken for I, I can get motivation from somewhere. Motivation is... Oh, we YouTube to find it. We look for it everywhere, all, don't we? All the time. I used to look for it and I was like, right, okay, well, it's not that what I'm searching for. Mm. There are little pockets of things which go, motivation, yeah, that's going to help me. And we'll maybe allude to that a bit later. But motivation is the byproduct of action. Oh. So you become motivated by the things that, you are, that you've done towards the inspiration. And that is how they are linked. Whereas most people go, do I need motivation or do I need inspiration? Well, you need both. You need to know where you're going. You need to know why you're going there. But you also need to maintain that self-drive, that motivation for doing it. But the only way in which you can get more motivation is by conducting an action. There's a lot of people which I know listen to this podcast who are joining the military or they're going through training. And uh, it gets asked quite a lot that, that... a common question is how do I get myself fit enough for it? How do I get myself ready for it? You know, there's for me a little bit of self-investment there. You don't have to look far past Google to, to work out how you'd be fit and strong for it. I, I always sort of reply to these people, you've got to make sure your mind's in the right place for it. You know, the, the Marine saying used to be 99.9% need not apply, apply. It's a state of mind. And so when you're in the mud and it's raining and and you're not going back to camp that night. You've got to stay out in on in the field. You've got to stay in the woods and the weather's not nice. You're on rations and you're doing this for five days. It's a training uh, situation and your corporal's shouting at you and you just it just feels like shit. It's very easy at that point to go, what's the point? Mm. I can't be bothered. I'm pulling out. Because that intrinsic motivation's not there for that person. You know, they're not thinking that my pool is this green barrier at the end of training. My pool is to be part of the elite. It's their pool at that moment is oh, I need to get myself out of this situation because I don't feel invested in it. Yeah, it um, needs to be something pulling you, something some sort of gravitational force that you're aiming for. Exactly, you have to, like I said, you have to feel like you're gravitating towards it, um, and that's really fulfilling. Like what we were saying earlier when we we're out walking was things have come along which are irritating. They're hard. They cause immense amount of uncertainty. There's a huge amount of risk, but the pool. It's still huge. And that pool brings you through that rather than, oh, we've hit a wall. Let's turn away from it and go in a different direction. It's so easy to do that when you're pushing towards something. What about self-talk then in all of this? Because like you're saying, most of it is in your mind and really the loudest voice in your mind is your own. And with our school of motivation and people looking at this podcast to try and help them with the motivation, um, how you're talking to yourself is, is a big part, isn't it? Well, it's a critical asset, critical asset. Most of us, um, until you, you may not even be aware that you talk to yourself, but you 100% do. And nine times out of 10, we're programmed to negatively talk about ourselves. I can't do this and you know, you're not strong enough for this. And, you know, that's too far, too far away for you to achieve. Mm. And we need to be A, conscious of that and stop that immediately. 
It's not beneficial at all. And we need to replace those negative mental thoughts with not, not alone positive thoughts, because positive thoughts are a bit, yeah, they need to be meaningful, mm. meaningful thoughts, thought through thoughts and identified you know, with a clear understanding of what those thoughts actually mean and, and what they could mean in the future. So I do remember talking to myself um, when I was going through that rough time. And I remember saying, you will be in a suit, you will be in a tie, you will be working in London, and you will be a consultant. And But I left it at that. I didn't go, you're going to be definitely this, this, and this, working for X. I was like, you will be there, and this is where you'll go. Okay, it took a little while to happen. But that was a part of it. If I had maybe, and this is why it's so hard to prove the science behind it, because you couldn't take two people who over six months say, no, I won't do that. And then they might not end up the same place. But, you know, I'm not really one to take that chance. I'm not really one to take that risk of if I don't put those positive messages in my own mind, there may that may contribute towards me not attaining the thing that I want to get. I think social media has a massive impact on our own self-talk as well. It's very easy to scroll and see how better people's lives are or how they, how you perceive their lives to be. Um, and I think that, that in its turn can, you know, a lot of people are obsessed with social media. It's where people go to just pass time, strangely. Um, I use Candy Crush. Um, sponsored by Candy Crush. And, but it's an outlet for people. But that outlet can consume you in a way of thinking, oh, they're doing so much better than me. You know, oh, look how many followers they got. As a depressive. Right? Yeah, and it's it's and that in itself can ta- if you're spending your free time on there just scrolling and seeing how better everyone is than you, which isn't true. Uh, like like you said, like most of these things are people's shop windows. So you go, oh, look how good it is and shiny in there. Um, scratch beneath the surface is never perfect, is it? But you don't see that. So you just scroll and see all these amazing things people are doing, which can in itself be quite damaging for the way you look at it and the way you think. And like, well, I'm on this quest, but this person's on this quest and they seem further ahead of me. And that can begin to tap into you. I was saying this before we started the podcast. I did that a few years ago. It's like, oh, they're, they're on the same journey as I said in way back. Comparing yourself. Exactly. But it's not healthy. And the moment you go, oh, fuck them. <laughs> I'm on my own path here and I'm just going to concern myself. There has to be that detachment. Yeah. Social media isn't real life. It shows you the best parts of someone's life, like one layer of someone's life. And that's it. That's it. It's all it is. It's not a true representation of all the struggles that that person is going through or, you know, the makeup that they have to put on to look a certain way or the work that they do had to do do you know what i mean it, do, it doesn't tell a true story it, it tells such a small minute element of us as human beings that we really must have that confidence within ourselves to detach you know that level of reality and say well okay that's that's just social media it's great really good and leave it at that and not get too absorbed by it it's hard to do though hey like my mom i'm constantly having to remind my mom like it's not real because it's like i i post things on delay because i don't like to post where i am at the time and you know i post things on delay i post things sometimes strategically down to a clip in a business that they want to release at a certain time and And i'll turn off my mom's house she's like oh weren't you at the airport just now and i was like Mm. no why like i spoke to you an hour ago she's like but i saw on your instagram and i'm like mom 
talk to me. Like, I know you talk to me. Don't look at my Instagram to try and work out how I'm doing. Because <laughs> that's another thing, like fucks up friendships. Mm. Like there are some friends of mine who I haven't spoken to in a long time. And you know, where normally without media, you'd sort of miss them and you might give them a call or a text, but subconsciously I'm seeing on their Instagram that they're okay. Therefore, I'm not really engaging. And it's like, that's so damaging. That doesn't mean they're okay. That's so true. I had that exact thought this morning when I posted a, a, a post uh, on my own Instagram for, hey, uh, what are you laughing for? I've got, I got some followers, don't worry. Um, I just like the way you say you posted a post. <laughs> I did post a post. Yeah. <laughs> Quite and obvious, that one. I posted on, so, yeah, on social media. Thank you for the correction, Ben. Mm-hmm. Author. Uh, and it talked about friends. But there's a picture of only two other friends up there of mine. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I only have two friends or that, you know, the other friends which I would consider friends shouldn't look at that and then go, oh, oh does, that means we're not friends with him then. Because oh, yeah, they're not exactly. up on social media. People get which jealous. actually happens Yeah. with that stuff. And that's where the detachment has to happen. That's just a, a snapshot. And that's all it is. And it's literally a snapshot because it's a picture. Because it's it, it, such a short amount of time of life of brief so how, exposure so how do we go about correcting self-talk because like if we're in tune enough to hear ourselves when we're saying these things to ourselves the negative stuff or when we're comparing ourselves to people online how do we correct that quickly like people have some random stuff like wearing elastic bands on their wrist and pinging it every time they catch themselves having a negative thought and i've never done any of those i don't know how they work but i've heard of things like that um how do you personally because you're human you must have some negative thoughts sometimes how do you correct them i used to think uh and this is getting into it now but i used to have some pretty dark thoughts whether that was because of my previous, whether that was because of the, the job that I used to be in, but like weird thoughts, which I kind of was a bit scared of. Yeah. And I've re- I've recently over the last few years come to the conclusion that I think this happens to everyone because the more people I speak to, those types of thoughts, and they're quite vivid and quite graphic, some of them, but that's not who I am. That's not how I think and that's not how I'd operate. So the first thing is you talk to other people to recognize that that's normal. Uh, Or a level of normalization for me to go, okay, they might think exactly that, but there's definitely some weird stuff going on here. And then the second part of that is I'm I'm fully uh, confident now that it now becomes a passing thought. It's not something I now dwell upon. I try to fix and just go, okay, yeah, whatever. And And another thought comes into my mind. And and the ones I want, the ones that I think are positive, the ones which I think are going to help me, I then attach to that. I then visualize that in my mind and go, okay, let's explore that a little bit more. Right? I don't explore the other things. Because when you start exploring, you go down layers and layers and layers into your brain and really just focusing on the positives now. The dwell makes a lot of sense because sometimes positive a negative thought will really trigger other negative thoughts and it's kind of like Correct. a whirlpool going down and people properly dwell so the idea of going okay that's a negative thought i'm going to move move from this not dwell in it and, and allow way, yourself to dwell in the positive yeah it does not happen overnight yeah there's a significant work, amount of work in that yeah i think that's very needed to say is it doesn't happen overnight i think for me as well that was uh you know looking back to the episode about anger and spending all this time not this time but that time back then being something else and someone else and having this wall of camouflage between me 
and what I felt was a threat, um, which was someone finding out who I was, I think. You know, so you cover up with an ego, you cover up with violence, anger, whatever it is. Um, I think I, I, I quite happily say I'm probably the most relaxed and sort of positive I've ever been in my life. But equally, I'll still be negative about things because I don't think you can't... I see a lot of this stuff on see certain individuals we know of within our own circuit talk about living such a positive life and it's fucking not going to happen because mm. there's shit that comes along like a massive pandemic which farts on everyone and then you got that's not positive mm. um i i found my my ability to my own self-talk is around positivity but it's also it's a very blunt just get on with it approach I'm very much just like, oh, well, that's Simplify fuck. it. Maybe don't be so yeah, complex in your it mind. Is that, is that. With it anyway. And the moment you, you know, we spoke about it a lot is what's within your control and what's not within your control. And you can pull them things out straight away, which aren't in your control. You just let it go. Mm. Um, then concentrate what's within your control. And then those things that are within your control, you know, what are the negatives? What are the positives? And where can you have a, a, an impact? There's things that happen every day, you know, I just... I think just reading that email then I was like oh fucking hell that's a negative how do we turn that into a positive but you address it so where people I feel go wrong is like that's negative and I'm now going to dwell on it and think about it and not do something right with it well that's not how you fix problems that's not how you problem solve you know you, you have to be almost like a detective of your own life to go okay that's not great but where do we now look in a different direction to solve the problem um you can look at that as positive talk. You can look at that as whatever talk you want. It's just self-talk. And that's how I approach the situation. And you have to have that condor moment, don't you? And step back sometimes, take those five seconds to go, breathe, otherwise this is going to go wrong. Uh, and you do, you just, okay, right. I'll go there. Mm. Uh, or I'll think like this. How much does self-talk then link into visualization? Because the way we talk to ourselves in our mind can be such a bullying thing and we can really counter it with our visualization of where we want to go, what we want to do, or even visualization, visualizing ourselves as motivated when we're not feeling like that. There's two, um, which I've written about. I know there's more, but there's two areas of visualization which are quite clear. There's fantasy visualization and there's simulation. But fantasy is uh, the majority of the time where people end up, where this is where I could be. Uh, I am on this podium. I have made this much money. I am living in this house. That's great. We need we need both. We need both. We need fantasy and simulation. Um, but fantasy on its own is it becomes a bit of a detriment to you because when you hit the wall or you hit challenges or problems, suddenly that podium gets a bit further away or that money doesn't seem to be there or that fulfilling life you're looking for isn't coming as soon as you wanted it to. And that's why we need also that simulation part in the middle where you also visualize the journey. And that's not just the good parts of the journey. You know, it's very much like, well, what if that goes wrong? What if that goes belly up? Well, if that goes right, that's going to be really good. And, you know, this this steps back all the way to the basic ways we commit ourselves to an action in, in the military is that you plan an operation down to the minute details of standard operating procedures, which are SOPs, uh, and you walk through them and talk through them. If we get hit at this point on this track from the right, this is what we're going to do. If we get hit from the left, 
this is what we're going to do. If we get a casualty at this point, you know, people think, oh, how do they do it? We spend hours and hours planning in meticulous detail for because no plan survives first contact. So you have to be prepared for the plan never to survive first contact. So you have to have almost mini plans in place at that part of that route, that leg, that journey, that way out, that way in to deal with that situation at hand. So and that's very much visualization, that simulation. That's not, well, we'll get to the objective, we do the job. It's what if we're en route to the objective and this happens? What if we have an IED strike and someone stands on something and loses a leg? We, what do we do? Um, what if we take a prisoner? What if we get seen by the enemy, but they don't shoot? Um, or what if we see them, but they don't shoot at us? We can't just engage them, lie down, watch, you know, all these different things. Um, and that's very much around planning the journey. You know, if you're going to go and do a marathon, it's great thinking of yourself crossing the line. Um, but what about those rainy nights which are going to come your way and you're going to want to stay in? You know, you have to simulate that in your head to go, that is going to happen because I'm training in June, January. The majority of January is piss wet through cold and horrible anyway. So I need to just plan in my head that when that day comes, I will still go through the process. I might not be as higher performing as I usually am, but I'm still going to go through the motions of doing it. It's much, I found it's much easier for a personal <laughs> level to be able to visualize your goals once you've written your goals down so yeah. have your goals and then attach a visualization to those goals oh okay uh, and now i get into the point where i sometimes f- like fantasy visualize about things in the future <laughs> you nodded at me then i was like you don't fantasize about and then it's because you nodded then. at me and looked me in the eye and went, i sometimes fantasize Did I? yeah and that's <laughs> it was kind yeah. of loving that must have yeah. been weird it was weird to be on the receiving end of it yeah <laughs> yeah Anyway. Weird. So, <laughs> fantasy, uh, fantasy visualization, definitely. Um, Everyone's thinking about porn right now. Like, <laughs> fantasy visualization. Oh, Where are you going? Oh, wait. No, oh for goodness, <laughs> really? That's what we're all thinking about now. Oh. I was going to say to Ben um, that what you were saying really relates to what a lot of athletes have told me in the sense that they never just picture winning the gold medal or winning that fight they always literally visualize every single round they visualize falling but and getting back up they visualize every little so that's bit the simulation the piece though the, fan- yeah. the, fa- the fantasy bit the fantasy simulation is the things we're going to achieve in the future for me anyway i'm only talking about me but fantasy visualization i'll do it maybe of an evening and go oh yeah and i'll just think there before i sleep and i'll be like amazing but now i've got an element of confidence behind that it's not so much a fantasy for me anymore it's like i'm looking forward to living in that yeah going around in that having that experience whatever it might be i'm looking forward to that and there's a sense of like emotional attachment to it mm, belief to it I, su- I suppose but every night i simulate what's going to happen for the next day yeah and i i think i do mine in a little bit of a different way but on uh, very very similar as well like i am not afraid of going on a walk on my own and sitting on a log and just staring into oblivion or, or just being at home when no one's at home and just sitting on the sofa and staring and sitting there thinking, oh, yeah, and see what I, I won't even say what I I see because I don't want people to misjudge me. But Picture uh, what you're training yeah, for. Yeah, I am looking at that and going, oh, I'm so looking forward to that. That's going to be so good when and I get there. that makes you feel good. It makes me feel good. But then I click out of it and go, now how the fuck do we get there? Yeah. So you come back out of it and go, this is where I'm going. This is going to be amazing. This it's like not just dreaming of winning the lottery. Exactly. And and that's what we were saying in the last episode. It's great, you know, be a sayer, but then be a doer. 
the sayer is fantasize, you know, this is where I could be. This is where I'm um, Olympians don't cry on a podium because they've won gold because it's a medal. They cry because of what it represents and everything it's taken to get there. It's the same for us with Green Beret. You know, you get given your Green Beret, it's a bit of cloth. It's a bit of green cloth you wear on your head. But it's what it represents. It represents everything that's been sacrificed by everyone else up to that point, the history of it. It also represents every single bit of blood, sweat and tears and motivation and belief and drive you've poured into it. And so when you get given it, it literally, you can feel your hair stand up as they give it to you after that 30 mile march across Dartmoor. And you get it and you go, I achieved this. You know, this is, this isn't, this is just a bit of green cloth, but I'm on the podium because of everything it took to get here. You have to also consider that journey. And that's the simulation part of it. Did you guys hear about the para whose brother had died? And then when he passed out, he was given his brother's beret the most beautiful story it was the image that captured it for me i thought it was incredible yeah it it just summed up um part of it you know kind of how i felt as well when i was on the parade parade square finn doherty's name nice i I think you know it's a a really nice of great well for bringing that one up as well because i think that could have slipped off the radar that that story but it's they would have been they wouldn't have treated him any differently you know he he's he was six years old when his brother was killed in Afghanistan, I think yeah. it was. Yeah. Um, but this boy has had this drive, this inspiration to not do it for the sake of his brother's death. Because I know a couple of people who lost their brother and never went down that road. Yeah. Um, he's always wanted to just do this to, for him and for himself. And... There would have been times where he would have been thrashed, cold, wet, hungry. Fuck this. This is shit. His pull is just far bigger. I reckon in that troop, that training troop, I'm sure you could have brought everyone's pull together and it wouldn't have been close to his own pull because he's like, I'm getting there no matter what it takes. Um, I think we've been through that ourselves. You know, for me, it was I stood on that parade square as a clean drugless person with a green as part of the world's elite not just an average regiment dare i say part of the elite and that was once for my for my own inspiration stood in that museum years ago as a young boy like finn there who was six years old and he saw his brother pass away you know my son's six and i look at that and think you you could have that seed in your head it doesn't have to come from somewhere negative like losing someone but that seed that says I'm fucking going on this journey and nothing will stop me. I think that's the best sentence. If you can self-talk, that's where it is. That's where mine is. Yeah, I think that's yeah, brought it out of just, me. You've just that's binged brought, in yeah, my that's mind. Clicked in my mind is like, anything can happen, but you won't fucking stop me. Yeah. I remember that's that, it. I remember that on the 30 miler, uh, on t- mile 24, you know, the last junction, uh, the last, sorry, stop off of the 30 miler, mile 24, I just shortly after taking off like fell down a ditch later found out that i tore my hip flexor but i had six miles to go in like which is already it's pretty painful anyway to your feet are hanging your shins are exhausted at that point and then i just had this terrible like pain in my in my leg but the option i looked at everything in that split moment and i took my mind away from the next six miles and i literally i remember doing it part of this visualization piece was going I'm on a beach, I'm do- just anywhere else but here because I need to get there six miles away. And when I get there, 
I'm going to have achieved something that I've worked so far and so hard to get over. You know, I got through glandular fever in training, came back. There's no point where I could quit. I gave myself the option to quit. And I just had to get myself there. And that, and that pull, that just reason for finishing was so strong at that time. All sorts of stuff goes through your mind to help you get there. It's like little bits of it and it probably goes on to the next bit we're going to talk about as well. Uh, with what you're saying there as well is um, we've been we've been recruits. So you've been thrashed cold, wet and hungry next to other people who are thrashed cold, wet and hungry. Um, and so you have that perspective of what, what you see. I think training is such a blur. You see people drop by the wayside and you, it doesn't really connect. You're just like, oh, that's another person gone. I'm still moving forward. I'm genuinely, and I remember my corporal in training saying to me, when the be, uh, the thing that will come near to passing out as a recruit is passing out your own recruits. And and I genuinely really reflect on that because I'm not at that point when those guys in my troop, when I'm training them now, uh, are thrashed, cold, wet and hungry. I'm not. So I see a completely different perspective to it. And you see those people put their hands up and say, oh, I don't want to crack on, I put my letter in and I'm leaving. Um, and then you see those guys which keep going, no matter what age, and they keep going, they get to the end. And, and when you pass out, I can see why he said you'll be so proud. It's because you've turned young boys into trained commandos and you've seen them on that entire journey. And it's really humbling. And I remember my section on my first 30 mile I did um, with my own re recruit troop, I had a lad who was just like, he was like 100 meters off the pack the entire way, literally from the start. Uh, I won't say his name because he's still serving. Great lad, uh, short Irish lad. I was like, you've got to catch up. Otherwise, you're off. You're off. Fucking catch up the whole way through. And he would like get almost up to the pack and then, and then he'd just drift back again. But because he was getting to the back of the pack, I was quite content to keep him there. And uh, we got to the end and he passed. And I was like, fair play. What was wrong with you? He's like, oh, my hip's hurting. Like, okay, all right. Make sure you get yourself checked out. And he went and got himself checked out and he'd broken his hip. What? He'd broken his hip. And the doctor was like, this has been broken before the 30 miler. And he, and I, and we found out, I found out about medical results and I was like, fucking fair one. Good effort. Wow. Good and, on him. And I, I, we, I had a chat with him because once they've done their 30 miler, they're still recruits. So you still talk to them a little bit recruit, but it is a bit more pally. I was like, fair. I had a chat with him. I was like, how long has your hip been hurting for? And he's like, oh, weeks, corporal. I just didn't want to say anything. And I was like, Such do you know what? Th there's, there's a degree of don't be stupid. Yeah. You know, we do believe in that in the military. Don't break yourself because mm. we need fixed men. But you do, you do warm to the guys which just fucking crack on. It's unbelievable because mentality. Because 30 miles across Dartmoor. With a broken you, hip. With a broken <laughs> You can go out and do the 30 miler. I, I believe that most civvies could just sort of stand up and do the 30 miler. I'd like to see people do it at the end of 32 weeks training. Yeah, that's When different. your legs are very tired and you're carrying all that kit. Um, you're navigating it at the weather. But it's so undulating. It's constant. It's your hips are never balanced. The elevation gain on that is ridiculous. The pain he must have been in for those eight hours. And I know I pushed the pace on that one as well, naughtily. Um he must have been in so much pain and still did it because there was something that just gripped him, him and said, I'm going to pull you towards where we're going. Tomo, tell me about EFID. So we, we briefly touched on it earlier and we were talking about like 
how inspiration is totally different to motivation, but motivation comes in all different forms and is the byproduct of, but also there's elements which I've personally used, um, which have helped me achieve the goal. So little snippets of whatever it might be to play, to look at, to experience, go and speak to people is a bit of motivation. You just take little snapshots from that. So there's a really good acronym um, which we've developed uh, and it's called EFID and stands for explore, find, identify and then do. So explore, basically explore things you potentially haven't explored before. Go out there and, and, and do more experiences, experience some more stuff, speak to some more people, find some new clips on YouTube, find some new podcasts, whatever it might be. Uh, obviously stay on this podcast. Stay here. Don't, stay, go don't, go yeah, don't go anywhere. Stay. Stay. Explore more episodes. Explore more episodes. <laughs> and then find the ones which resonate with you. And you'll create this bank of things which you go, yeah, quite like that. That's good. Yeah, that kind of gets me a little bit hyped up. And then go the next level. Now apply the magnifying glass and identify exactly what it is in there that gets you going, that gets you moving forward, that really goes, hey, yeah, this speaks to me. And then go out there and do what those things say. Remember, listeners, what I said in the last episode. We're building a tribe. You are part of the tribe only if you become a doer. We're not interested in sayers. And that's part of that. That acronym is all about that. It's to do part of the end. Do it. Commit to it. Go for it. But believe in yourself as well. Half of doing is belief. And, that, and that's where, again, going back to a little bit on self-talk, I sit there. You know when I said to you I was walking around Woodbury the other day? Yeah. I was actually having an open, loud yeah. conversation with myself going, I believe in myself that we can do this. Yes. And and people which walk by would be like, he is fucking crazy. He's crazy hippie he's not got man. A, he's not got a dog. He's walking around this empty <laughs> air on his own in a t-shirt in the rain going, I believe, I believe, <laughs> and he looks I like believe. A, he looks like a nutter as well. But guess what? He's got self-drive. Correct. Yeah. And I'm a doer. Efid, I love it. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Commando Mindset. Check us out on socials. We're at Commando underscore Mindset. We will see you next Wednesday. Commando Mindset.